Hey there, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and today is the first of my Little Weirdos 4x4 edition month-long special reviewing small, affordable used 4x4 SUVs from the 80s and 90s. Now, when I call these small Jeep-like 4x4s Little Weirdos, that's really a term of endearment. And because I love them so much, over the next four weeks, I'm going to review four different mini SUVs, or I guess we could call them utlets, that put fun at the very top of the list of reasons why you should own one. And while they're definitely smaller than most 4x4s of their era, all of these boxy, two-door, four-wheel drive vehicles feature tough, body-on-frame construction to go along with their traditional, part-time four-wheel drive systems with high and low gearing. Now, my Little Weirdos 4x4 edition list includes the Suzuki Samurai, the Daihatsu Rocky, the Dodge Raider, and today's utlet, the first-generation Geo Tracker, which also did double duty as the Suzuki Sidekick. Yes, the Tracker and the Sidekick are virtually one and the same, but for the sake of this episode, most of the time I'll be referring to it as the Geo Tracker, a fun little 4x4 that you might want to consider for your summer or winter outdoor adventures. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. So if you've been around as long as I have, you probably remember that small, boxy, 4x4 sport utes and small import 4x4 pickups were for sale just about everywhere back in the 80s and 90s. But now they seem to have all but disappeared from new vehicle showrooms. I mean, today, everything is big, right? Of course, some of you are probably thinking, hey, Gary, there's still some small 4x4s around. Take the new in 2021 Ford Bronco, for example. Well, I guess the Bronco could be considered a small, boxy 4x4 sport utility vehicle in the same vein as our little weirdos mini utes. For example, a 2023 Heritage Edition Ford Bronco found at a local dealer with styling that evokes the original 1966 through 1977 Bronco can be purchased with a four-cylinder engine, a manual transmission, four-wheel drive, and that boxy two-door shape, just like our little weirdos utes. But the comparison really ends there, as the new Bronco is bigger, heavier, and much more powerful. Lined up next to a two-door 1994 Geo Tracker convertible, the Bronco is about two and a half feet longer, it's several inches taller, it's a foot wider, and it weighs about a ton more. I mean, yeah, seriously, 2,000 pounds more. And it makes more than three times the horsepower. In fact, it's almost four times the horsepower when you use premium fuel. Now, the only specification that the Tracker wins on compared to the new Bronco is in fuel economy. And it's really not by much. Now, that said, while the Bronco is a fun, retro-styled SUV, and, you know, frankly, one that I'd love to own someday, it is a much more serious 4x4 compared to the Tracker. And to be totally clear, I'm fully aware that... Really, no one is cross-shopping used Geo trackers with new Ford Broncos. Okay, I get that. Unless, of course, they're on crack. And speaking of crack, the MSRP, the manufactured suggested retail price of that Bronco that I found, was $50,010. So basically $50,000. But the so-called, quote, adjusted market price, unquote, from the local dealer, was $65,995. That's $16,000 or 32% more, almost a third more than what Ford wants for that same Bronco, just for the pleasure of buying it from the local Ford dealer. 
Now, just sit there and think for a moment. Think about how much that sucks. Then think about how much you can save buying a used car or truck that's 5, 10, or 20 years older, especially one that you love that's fun to own and drive, and that pretty much sums up why I do this podcast. No matter your budget, I believe everyone should be able to drive something interesting and fun at a reasonable price. You shouldn't be forced to pay adjusted market pricing or whatever crazy thing that dealers come up with. Now again, I know the new Bronco is far more capable than the Tracker. There's really no comparison. But if the Bronco is a serious off-road vehicle with a serious price, the Tracker, on the other hand, is a seriously fun and affordable way to travel to your next outdoor adventure. It definitely has value. Now, sure, in stock form, a Tracker is not going to make it much past the sign that says Rubicon Trail, but that was never its intent. The intention was to put drivers behind the wheel of a small, fuel-efficient, fun-to-drive 4x4 that could take them out on the sand at the beach after work without getting stuck, or take them to a trailhead for an epic hike on the weekends without worrying that the underside would scrape, driving down a rocky, unpaved road. And the two-door convertible version's open-air driving experience makes a drive on any sunny day just that much better. Sunshine. Fun. At a low price. I mean, that's the point of the two-door GeoTracker 4x4 convertible SUV. So, if the idea of getting a GeoTracker or a Suzuki Sidekick sounds intriguing to you, let's dig into the details, review what to look for when purchasing a GeoTracker, and talk a little bit about what you can expect to pay to put one of these fun little SUVs in your parking spot. Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm clearly steering you towards the idea of getting the two-door convertible configuration of the GeoTracker. However, the Tracker and Sidekick also were available in a two-door hardtop version, which is also kind of cool. It's the short wheelbase model. And a longer wheelbase, four-door SUV version. But going with either hardtop, and especially the four-door model, in my mind, turns down the volume on the fun to the point that if all you really need is an inexpensive used four-door SUV, you might consider buying like a second-gen Honda CRV or maybe a first or second-generation Toyota RAV4 instead. They both were sold in greater numbers, so there's a lot more used examples to choose from. They also have strong aftermarket support. And like the hardtop tracker, the CRV and RAV4 have four doors, seating for five, and offer four-wheel drive with decent fuel economy. However, you'll likely end up paying more to have a small SUV with a Honda or Toyota logo, so keep that in mind. But back to the original suggestion to get a two-door convertible SUV. None of these four-door SUVs have a convertible top. And the whole point of suggesting the two-door convertible tracker is to put you behind the wheel of a fun, frugal, convertible 4x4 that offers a small dose of practicality with a big dose of sunshine. So if you think you might want to explore the idea of owning a two-door 4x4 tracker or sidekick, what should you look for? Well, in this configuration, the Tracker came with two comfortable bucket seats in front and a bench seat for two in the rear that can be folded down and tumbled forward for extra storage space in back. In fact, it's a relatively spacious 32 cubic feet of storage space. And when you need to carry more cargo and less people, the rear bench seat can also be unbolted and removed completely for even more storage space behind the front seats. Now, over time, many owners who remove the rear bench seat have lost track of them or sold them outright. But if it were me, I wouldn't buy one of these vehicles without the rear bench seat because it would be difficult to find a used replacement today 
especially one with matching seat material. Also, with any convertible, you need to inspect the condition of the top. These came with a soft top with clear plastic windows, and even if the top is still watertight, the windows may have yellowed to the point that it's difficult to see out the back, or they could have become hard and easy to crack. So be sure to check for that, and if necessary, factor in the cost of a new top and installation to the asking price. I would also suggest trying to find one with a removable hardtop. Many trackers and sidekicks were fitted with aftermarket removable hardtops, and while they're not foolproof, they do offer an additional degree of sound insulation and protection from theft compared to a soft top. And in terms of reliability, you'll be happy to hear that while parts on these cars do wear out over time, just like on any vehicle, the tracker and sidekick are considered to be very reliable vehicles overall. And their simple engines and drivetrains can be worked on by any competent mechanic. That means you should really focus your search on finding a tracker that's in excellent condition, with minimal owners, and has been well maintained and has records to prove it. This is critical to finding a good example. Also, be sure to avoid vehicles with a branded or rebuilt title unless you know the owner and you know why the vehicle has a branded title. But personally, I would avoid buying a branded or rebuilt title car from anyone because it typically reduces the value and when you want to sell it in the future, potential buyers might be reluctant to pay your asking price. You should also avoid vehicles that have rust. I mean, rust is terrible, right? And a little bit of visible rust can just be the tip of the iceberg. And once you find a tracker you like that meets all your criteria, make sure you have a pre-purchase inspection done on the vehicle. Unless you're mechanically inclined and are very familiar with what issues to look out for on used cars in general, just let a trusted mechanic look it over to make sure it's in good condition. Trackers and sidekicks are at least 25 years old now, so get the best one you can find within your budget, have it inspected, and leave the sketchy examples to someone else. Next, in spite of their solid reliability, there were changes to the tracker and sidekick over time that make later models and specific features potentially more desirable, so let's dig into those. Now, when it was launched in 1989, the GeoTracker had a 1.6-liter single-overhead cam four-cylinder Suzuki engine that made 80 horsepower and 95 pound-feet of torque. The 1.6-liter engine was later upgraded with dual-overhead cams and four valves per cylinder, which resulted in an increase to 95 horsepower. That higher horsepower motor was first fitted to 4x4 models only in 1995 and all examples in 1996. So if you want the most power possible, a 1995 model with four-wheel drive or a 96 and later example is what you should consider. Also, since the Tracker and Sidekick is a four-cylinder vehicle with limited horsepower, whether it has the 80 horsepower or the 95 horsepower engine, the best way to make the most of the power available is to purchase an example with the five-speed manual. Now, in contrast, the automatic was a three-speed unit that was not really ideal for making the most of either engine's power. So if it was me, I would avoid that transmission if possible. However, if you find a really nice example, with the automatic, take it for an extended test drive over various conditions, including some long uphill sections, to see if you're okay with the power delivery. It might work for you, so give it a shot. Now, just to give you an idea of the power, or should say lack of power, these vehicles have, consider that in a comparison test from the November 1989 issue of Car and Driver, the 0 to 60 mile per hour time for a tracker with that 80 horsepower engine and a 5 speed manual transmission was 
14.6 seconds with a quarter mile time of 19.1 at 69 miles per hour. That's really slow by today's standards. But the funny thing is, it was still quick enough to finish in second place, just a couple of tenths of a second behind a six-cylinder Jeep Wrangler. That seems a little crazy, but those are the times that they got. The tracker also finished second overall in this backroad comparison between the Jeep, a Suzuki Samurai, and an Isuzu Amigo, so it was definitely competitive when new. Now another thing to consider is whether or not you need four-wheel drive. The tracker and sidekick came in both two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. And if you want four-wheel drive, you have to look for the small second shift lever on the console between the front seats. If it doesn't have that high-low shift lever for the four-wheel drive system, then it's a two-wheel drive model. So keep that in mind. And the final major option to consider is anti-lock brakes. Now, ABS became available as an option in 1996. And while there's no guarantee you'll find an ABS-equipped tracker, if you have any hope of finding an example at all, with that feature, you have to look at a 96 and later tracker or sidekick. So just keep that in mind. And one additional feature that I would consider is sort of a must-have is air conditioning. Now, AC wasn't common back in the late 80s and early 90s, but if you spend any time driving in areas with consistently high temperatures, having air conditioning can make the difference between being comfortable and suffering. Now, it's true that the small 1.6-liter four-cylinder engine in the tracker isn't exactly powerful, and AC is going to rob some of that power, but I think being able to cool down your car's interior on a hot day is worth the trade-off for the power it takes to run the air conditioning. And when you need additional power while driving, just turn the AC off. Push the button. It's simple. Okay, so what about pricing? Well, like so many older vehicles, asking prices can be sort of all over the place. But the tradition of private owners asking less than dealers continues, so I would focus my attention on low-mile, minimal owner examples with clean titles from a private party. Also, look for cars that haven't been exposed to salted roads in winter. Most of those have already rusted away, so you don't have to worry, but in any case, if there's a little bit of rust, rust will kill off these light 4x4s pretty quickly, so be sure to check. And with that in mind, here's what you can expect to pay. Now, between $2,500 and $5,000, you'll find examples that are okay at the bottom end of the range and improve to, say, decent driver quality vehicles as you approach $5,000. You can even get lucky and find some surprisingly good examples right around $5K. So, you know, you could get lucky and find something great, but don't hold your breath. Now, moving up a category, say $5,000 to $7,500, I would call this really the sweet spot for great deals. I personally would expect to pay for an example in this range that's both a, a great deal, and B, a vehicle that I'd be proud to own. Now, these won't be show-winning examples, but they'll typically be well-cared-for vehicles, lower miles, that sort of thing, that have a lot of life in them. So, again, this is my sweet spot. Now, if you find a tracker or sidekick between $7,500 and $10,000, this is the range where you should find some of the best private party examples. If you're willing to spend this much and take your time looking for a good example, you could easily find a low-mile, one-owner example here that needs pretty much nothing. And finally, when you get to $10,000 or above, we're really talking about either A, dealership examples that would sell for much less from a private party, so why pay extra, or top-quality examples from a private party. 
Now, I would expect trackers and sidekicks in this range to need basically nothing. The top should be in great shape. The tires and brakes should be relatively new. The paint should be shiny. The interior will be excellent. And there again would be minimal owners, no accidents, low miles, etc. Okay? So pretty much close to perfect. I mean, not a show car, but, you know, really, really good. But again, if it were me, I'd be looking in that $5,000 to $7,500 range. That, to me, is the sweet spot of where you're going to find the best deals. So that wraps up part one of my four-part Little Weirdos 4x4 edition series here on Better Than New. After listening, hopefully you're considering the idea of buying a small, two-door, 4x4 convertible version of the Geo Tracker or the Suzuki Sidekick. These are certainly one of my favorite small 4x4s from the 80s and 90s, as they offer up a healthy serving of reliability, fun, and light off-road capability in a small, nimble handling package that gets reasonable fuel economy. They kind of do it all. And like I said before, these small, boxy SUVs aren't being sold new anymore. But now that you know what to look for, a convertible 4x4 tracker or sidekick could be in your future. And in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. And if you like what you heard, please join me for part two of this four-part Little Weirdos 4x4 series next week as we dig into what makes the fun but hard-to-find Daihatsu Rocky another outstanding small 4x4 SUV that you should consider if you're in the market. Again, I really hope you'll join me for that one. And until next time, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.